Welcome to Money's a Mitch podcast. I'm Mitch Newman, and I am determined to provide you with the best of the best state-of-the-heart tools and techniques to support you in redefining, reframing, and reigniting. That's a lot of re's. That flame inside of you that will propel you to your next levels of success. Together, we're going to explore and do a deep dive into really all aspects of conscious leadership and what it really takes to lead oneself and others at this higher level of consciousness with the intention and the outcome of creating maximum impact and contribution in all areas of your life. We will laugh, most definitely cry, the good cry, of course, hopefully, and without a doubt, discover the magic that exists inside of each and every one of you. So, if you're not afraid of the unknown, let's get to it. So it never fails whenever I start my podcast. I'm always dealing with either kids screaming or dogs barking. Today it's dogs barking. So we're going to do our best to see how we can get through with minimal barking or maybe no barking at all. Uh, Maybe they need to have their own podcast, my dogs. I don't know. Well, welcome to uh, another episode of Money's a Mitch where we uh, uncover that's nice. You know, let's change that. Where we discover the power of conscious leadership, what it means to lead at a higher level of consciousness, where we consider ourselves as a whole person and subsequently consider others as whole people. So, how we address people, staying in the present moment, lifting people up because we've learned to successfully lift ourselves up becomes a new paradigm shift that's been going on for a while now. It's not exclusive to me or to here. It's just I have my own perspective on it. And hopefully if you've been following me and listening in, you are in agreement <laughs> around that. But I want to talk today because I've gotten uh, into some conversations with people around um, what I often reference as locker room leadership. And locker room leadership is um, just really what it is, what it sounds like. It's the, um, it's the image and experience that either people have because they've personally been through it or have watched enough TV shows or movies to get an experience that you come in at halftime and the team gets blasted by the coach <laughs> and hopefully inspired and lifted up. Uh, but it is that kind of like hardcore in your face type of leadership style. And for whatever reason, I guess in previous episodes when I've talked a little bit about it or mentioned it, uh, I left some people with the impression that that I'm against it because I'm always referencing it as that next level of what leadership can look like. Oh, there we go. And Bernie agrees. And so here's my here's my take on it. I do believe that there is some value in locker room leadership, provided it's utilized in conjunction with other types of modalities and other types of ways that we can ultimately inspire other people. And here's how I see it. A lot of times locker room leadership, the intention is to fire people up. That's ultimately the intention is how do we fire up the players? How do we fire up the people, get them excited, get them lit? 
get them ready to go out and kick some ass or <laughs> whatever it's going to be. Um, and that's, that's well-intended and that's powerful. Uh, but it's a lot of times it's focused around in many ways, what we reference as a fear of loss. And what that does is that kicks in that fight or flight, that cortisol and adrenaline feeling that back against the wall, like it's now or never. And on its own, to me, it has, it has less merit. It just does because where, how that translates is that we then have that experience where the body becomes addicted to the adrenaline and cortisol. And we start transferring that into other areas of our lives, personal relationships, other professional relationships, situations that we're in where we start to believe that we do our best work when our back's against the wall, that we do our best work when it's uh, fourth down seconds left on the clock for a project or uh, closing a month strong for business, whatever that may be. And so what happens is it helps to train the body to be addicted to that fight or flight positioning. And so now you're operating in that all the time. So you're constantly operating with your backs against the wall. Now, sometimes your back is against the wall. <laughs> sometimes there is a fear of loss that is going on right now that, that you're, you're attempting to accomplish something and there are seconds left and you want to make sure that you get it done. And there is value there, just like there is value in fight or flight. That value historically was a dinosaur is chasing me and I better run, right? Not, I just got a really crappy text message. What do I do? Um, So what we don't want to do is we don't want to keep creating a scenario where the body becomes addicted to all those chemicals. And suddenly we don't feel alive unless our back's against the wall. Because I do believe from a conscious leadership standpoint that we actually create our best work when we're lifted and inspired to do so, when we're operating from a place of joy, that we don't have to be in a place of fear to do that. So to me, does locker room leadership have a place? Absolutely, 100%, provided it's utilized in conjunction with lifting people up, provided it's utilized uh, as part of an overall strategy and game plan to get people, put people in a position to accomplish things perhaps that they've never thought they could accomplish before. The challenge is a lot of those styles are utilized on their own. So people are constantly in that waiting to get their back against the wall thing. Now, you might think it's harmless. Like, hey, what's the big deal? It's, you know, it's this, this locker room leadership. It's their kids are learning it in school. They're learning it in sports. They're competing at a high level. I mean, this is the real world, Mitch. Well, you, yeah, you can argue that. Well, you can also argue or discuss that you don't necessarily need our kids learning that type of response, reaction, response, because when it does translate into other areas of their lives, and it could be academically, where all of a sudden they're, it's coming down to the wire, and then all of a sudden they have, they're pulling an all-nighter for a final. And they start seeing that as a pattern 
of behavior. Well, I've got to get this grade. I've got to get that grade. And what they don't realize, and rightfully so, they don't know, is that the body is actually becoming addicted to adrenaline and cortisol and I think several hundred other <laughs> chemicals to get dropped into the body when it's in that fight or flight state. It's not as harmless as we think because it does ultimately over time create disease within the body. It overloads the body. It overloads the organs. And so it creates a scenario that isn't just isolated to one dynamic. It isn't just isolated to halftime at a college football game. It isn't just isolated to uh, whatever sport somebody may be playing or one thing that happens in an office building, you know, that happens in a, in a corporation or a company. The way they get things done is they instill that level of fear in people that heads are going to roll unless they do this, this, and this. And so the challenge becomes is that, it, is that when it's utilized in conjunction with other things, and other modalities and other ways we lift and inspire people to operate from a place of joy and, and go further from a place of joy is how it spreads into other areas of our lives. That's the concern for me that I have because it becomes a learned behavior. And it's not just on the mental and emotional level. It becomes a physiological response that we don't even realize it. I deal with a lot of people who talk about, oh, got to close the month strong. They work in an, in an industry, in a field where those last three or four days can become so critical. Well, why? Because they've been trained in that way. They've been trained with the language of got to close the month strong. So what do they do? They let parts of the month go. And here's the interesting dynamic. They let parts of the month go. Then it comes down. They know they've got seconds left on the clock, three, four days left to go. They go into complete panic and fear and anxiety and adrenaline and cortisol. And they go, 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 go. And they neglect other areas of their lives. Maybe they're neglecting their relationship with their spouse. They're maybe neglecting uh, time with their kids, with friends, with other things that need their attention as well. But they're trained to believe that this is how this works. This kind of locker room mentality. This locker room leadership. So what happens is, is they work themselves to the bone, they close the month strong, and the body then has to come off those chemicals. So let's say there's 31 days in the month, and they close the month, that comes down to the wire, and they celebrate, and they're all excited, and they wake up the next morning, and they can't move. They don't have the energy because the body can't sustain itself in a fight or flight state for that long. So now what happens? Now, what ends up happening is it takes them three or four days to recover. So now the new month is starting on the 5th. And so they go off and they start going. They start ramping up. And they get a little bit more towards midway or so through the month. And then all of a sudden they have a drop off. Why? Not realizing it, but they're training themselves. They train themselves to have that drop off. Why? Because their body is preparing itself for close the month strong. And the cycle continues and it starts to appear that this is normal. This is just what people do. This is just how you function. This is just how it works. But then people burn out. Then all of a sudden they go to close them on strong, but they don't actually close strong. 
and they get discouraged. And it happens one or two months in a row, three months in a row, and then they disappear. They walk away. They're exhausted. Or they get sick. They physically get ill because the body is not meant to operate in that state. But if we keep training people that that somehow is normal, we keep encouraging that that's somehow not. Hey, come on, here we go. Got to close them on strong. We keep repeating that cycle. My sense is if you're moving consistently throughout the month, there may be a little extra push at the end, but not to the point of physically neglecting your body, mentally and emotionally neglecting those that you love that are around you. So that locker room mentality starts to permeate other areas of our lives. So we start to apply that into other areas. Relationships, people waiting to the last minute, literally to the last minute when partners are ready to lawyer up to finally say, okay, fine. So they're anxious, 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 and they're finally going to do something about it at the last minute. This kind of locker room mentality creates a dynamic unto itself, to me, that is not sustainable over a lifetime. It does not operate from a place of joy. It operates from a place of my back has to be against the wall for me to do good work. And trust me, there are these overcome to become stories that are pretty amazing. I've talked about them. You can watch them all day long on social media. People who have been down and out or injured or hurt and they fight their way back and they claw their way back and overcome to become stories are great. The music's playing in the background that gets you all pumped up and everything like that's great. But those are specific stories. Those are specific stories. What's your story? What's the dynamic that you want to create moving forward in your life? In what ways do you want to lead? Do you want to have those moments where locker room leadership becomes valuable? Where sometimes you have to have those really challenging conversations with people to let them know what's been neglected and what still needs to get done? Absolutely. I I get it. But what else are we mixing that with during the course of a month? What are the ways that we are inspiring people and modeling for others how powerfully we can create and manifest things from a place of joy, from a place of love, from a place of gratefulness? If you mix the two, you got me. I'm on board. But if we're talking straight locker room leadership, you lost me. If you, if you know how to uh, blend the two and see the value and when it's necessary, but not in a way that creates a pattern of training people to think that the only time they do their best work is when it's fourth down with seconds left on the clock. Man, I've been in those boardrooms. I've been in those conference rooms where everybody gets pulled in and everybody's like, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And somebody comes in and says, hey, heads are going to roll. Bill's coming down from Detroit, blah, 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 blah. He's not going to be happy if we don't get these numbers up. And then everybody goes into fight or flight. And they do really well. And all of a sudden, they pull it out. And then they're exhausted. And then they're angry and resentful. And they don't even know why. They don't even know why. 
it builds an anger and resentfulness in a work environment, in a relationship, personal relationship environment. It eventually does. So allow it its place. Allow locker room leadership its place, for sure, 100%. And let's build people up. Let's build ourselves up from a place of joy and inspiration. Let's model that we can do our best work when the chemicals that are getting released into our body are the chemicals that excite us, that inspire us, that motivate us, that highlight joy, that highlight inspiration, that highlight gratitude, and move further and further away and allow those moments. See, fight or flight is a necessary thing. It's just not a constant. It's designed and built into the body to physically protect us, to keep us alive, to keep us safe. But if we're operating in that place 24-7, eight hours a day, five hours a day, it's not going to serve us over the course of a lifetime. I'm Mitch Newman. We'll see you again next time. Hey, so if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe to this podcast so, you know, we can hang out every Monday. You can also follow me on Instagram at Life's a Mitch. And if you feel so inspired, make sure to tag me in your stories. I really appreciate hearing from people who are listening in. So if you have any ideas, any feedback, any questions, don't be shy. Please send them along. Who knows? Something you share or suggest may spark a future episode. So until next week, remember, life's a Mitch and then you thrive. 